Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we are going to be studying the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be doing a summary of the book of Deuteronomy, which provides information about the title, the authors, the date of writing, the chronology, the theme, the theology, an outline, and a brief overview and the chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's start with the title. So the Hebrew name of the book is Elihadeberon. These are the words translated into the Hebrew, or more simply, the baron. Words, see um, Deuteronomy 1 and verse 1. Now the word Deuteronomy, meaning repetition of the law, arose from a mistranslation in the Septuagint, which was the pre-Christian Greek translation of the Old Testament. Also, and in the Latin Vulgate, of a phrase in Deuteronomy 17:18, which in the Hebrew means copy of this law. Now, the error is not serious. However, since Deuteronomy is, in a certain sense, a repetition of the law, it pretty much, uh, it, it, it's not a major uh, detraction or mistranslation. And we can see that in the structure and in the outline of the book. The author and the date of the writing. The book itself ascribes its, uh, most of its contents to Moses. And you can find that in Deuteronomy 1, verses 1 uh, through 5. Also Deuteronomy 31, verse 24, and see the notes. So for that reason, the Old Testament elsewhere ascribes the bulk of the Deuteronomy and other pentological legislation to Moses. See example Joshua 1 verses 7 through 8, Joshua 23 verse 16, 1 Kings 2 verse 3, 1 Kings 8 verse 53, Malachi uh, 4 4, and see the notes there. Similarly, Jesus attributed Deuteronomy 24.1 to Moses, Matthew 19 verses 7 through 8, Mark 10, 3 through 5. Peter attributed Deuteronomy 18, 15, and verses 18 through 19 to Moses. Acts, the book of Acts, and 3, verse chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. As did Stephen in Acts 7, 37 through 38, and the notes in the Bible. And Paul the Apostle Paul attributed Deuteronomy 32, verse 21 to Moses in Romans 10, verses 19. See also Matthew 22, verse 24, and the notes in Mark 12, 18 through 19, Luke 20, verses 27 through 28. Also, at the same time, it seems clear that the narrative for the framework within which the mosaic material is placed, for example, the preamble as found in uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and the conclusion in chapter 34, see also Deuteronomy 5, 1, Deuteronomy 27, verse 1, verse 9, uh, and verse 11. 
Also see Deuteronomy 29 verses 1 through 2. Deuteronomy 31 verses 1, 7, 9 through 10. Deuteronomy 14 verses 25 through 30. Deuteronomy 32 verses 44 through 46. Also 48 through 52. Deuteronomy 33 verses 1 through 2 comes from another and an unknown and so see the introduction to Genesis of the author and the date of the writing. Now, what was the historical setting during the time of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy locates Moses and the Israelites in the territory of Moab in the area where the Jordan flows into the Dead Sea as found in Deuteronomy 1 verse 5. As his final act, at this important time of transferring leadership to Joshua, Moses delivered his farewell address to, the, to prepare the people for their entrance into Canaan. In them, Moses emphasized the laws that were especially needed at such a time, and he presented them in a way appropriate to the situation. And in contrast, to the matter-of-fact narratives of Leviticus and Numbers, here the words of Moses come to us from his heart. As the servant of the Lord presses God's claims on his people, Israel. Now there's a special function in the Bible. The trajectory of the story that unfolds in Genesis through Numbers seems to call for an account of the conquest of Canaan as found in Joshua to bring closure to the movement from the promise to the fulfillment. See the introduction to Joshua, the title and the theme. But Deuteronomy intervenes as a massive interruption. Here there is very little forward movement. At the end of Numbers, Israel is on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And that can be found in Numbers 36, verse 33. And at the end of Deuteronomy, the people are still there, as found in Deuteronomy 34, verse 8, waiting to cross the Jordan, as found in Joshua 1, 2. All of that has happened in the transition from the ministry of Moses as God's spokesman and official representative to that of Joshua and his place, as found in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, and also see Joshua 1, verses 1 through 2. But Moses' final act as a Lord's appointed servant for dealing with Israel are so momentous that Deuteronomy's account then of them marks the conclusion of the Pentateuch. And we know that the Pentateuch are called the first five books in the Bible. While the book of Joshua, which narrates the initial fulfillment of the promises made to the patriarchs and the conclusion on the mission on which Moses, Moses had been sent, see number 17, verses 15 through 23, also Joshua 21 verses 43 through 45 serves as the introduction to the former prophets. So Deuteronomy creates a long pause in the advancement 
of the story of redemption. So, for example, the first of deliverance from bondage to a world power, Egypt, to a place in earth where Israel can be free people under the rule of God. Secondly, of the deliverance from rotlessness in the post-Babel world, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to security and rest. See Deuteronomy 3.20 and the note. Uh, Deuteronomy 12.10, Deuteronomy 25.19 in the promised land. And thirdly, of the deliverance from a life of banishment from God's garden in Genesis 3 to a life in the Lord's own land where he has pitched his tent and found in Joshua 22 verse 19. But in that long pause of the threshold of the promised land, Moses, in this renewal of the Sinaitic Covenant, reminded Israel at length of what the Lord required of them as his people if they were to cross the Jordan and take possession of the Promised Land and there enjoy the promised rest and fellowship with him. It was a word that Israel needed to hear over and over again. And upon reading the Pentateuch, Israel was brought ever anew to the threshold of the promised land and its promise rest to hear again this final word from God through his servant Moses. See also Psalms 95 and verse 7 through 22. And for this reason, all of the history of Israel in Canaan as narrated in the former prophets, is brought under the judgment of it of this word. Now, what are the theological teachings and the purposes? So we find that the book of Deuteronomy was cast in the form of ancient Near Eastern Susanity vassals, treaties of the second millennium BC. It contained the great king's pledge to be Israel's suzerain and protector if they would be faithful to him as their covenant Lord, and obedient to the covenant stipulations that the vassal people of his kingdom. There would be blessings for such obedience, but curses for disobedience, as we find in chapters 27 through 30. Now, Deuteronomy's purpose was to prepare the new, genera the new generation of the Lord's chosen people to be his kingdom representatives in the land that he had unconditionally promised them in the Abrahamic covenant. See the structure and the outline below, uh, which you can see in the website if you visit it. See also the notes on Deuteronomy 3.27, Deuteronomy 17 verses 14 and 18. We also find that the love relationship of the Lord to his people and that of the people to the Lord as their sovereign God pervade the whole book. Deuteronomy's spiritual emphasis and its call to total commitment to the Lord in worship and obedience inspired references to its messages throughout the rest of scripture. And in particular, the division of the Hebrew kings, or of the Hebrew Bible, called the former prophets, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, 
is thoroughly imbued with the style and themes and motives of Deuteronomy. Among the latter prophets, Jeremiah also reflects strong influence from this book. Now the structure and the outline. Deuteronomy's literary structure supports its historical setting, and by its interpretive, repetitious, reminiscent, and somewhat irregular style, it shows that it is a series of more or less extemporaneous addresses sometimes describing events in non-chronological order. See, for example, Deuteronomy 10 and verse 3. But it also bears in its structure clear reflections of the Susarian Vessel treaties, of the preceding and then current Near Eastern states, a structure that lends itself to the biblical emphasis on the covenant between the Lord and his people. So in this sense, Deuteronomy is a covenant renewal document as the following outline shows. If we were to go to and see the preamble, Deuteronomy 1 verses 1 through 5, the historical prologue, Deuteronomy 1 verses 6, Deuteronomy 4 verses 43, the stipulations of the covenant, Deuteronomy 4 44 and also Deuteronomy 26:19. We also find the great commandment, the demand for absolute allegiances, and Deuteronomy 4:44 and Deuteronomy 11:32. We find God's covenant lordship in Deuteronomy 4:44 and also in Deuteronomy 5:33. The principle of consecration in chapter 6, the program for conquering Canaan in chapter 7, a call to commitment in the new land in chapter 8, the lesson of the broken tablets, Deuteronomy 9 verses 1, Deuteronomy 10 verses 11, another call to commitment in Deuteronomy 10 12 and Deuteronomy 11 32. Supplementary Requirements, chapters 12 through 26. Ceremonial Consecration, Deuteronomy 12, verses 1. Deuteronomy 16, verses 17. Human Leaders in God's Righteous Kingdom, Deuteronomy 16, and verses 18. Deuteronomy 21, verse 21. The Sanctity of God's Kingdom, Deuteronomy 21, verse 22. Deuteronomy 25, verse 19. The confessions of God as Redeemer and King can be found in chapters 26. Now the ratification, the curses, and the blessings, chapters 27 through 30. Leadership succession under the covenant, chapters 31 through 34. The change of leadership is found in chapter 31, verses 1 through 29. The Song of Moses, Deuteronomy 31, verses 30, Deuteronomy through 32, verses 47. Moses' Testamental Blessings on the Tribes, Deuteronomy 32, verse 48, Deut through Deuteronomy 33, verse 29. And finally, the death of Moses and the succession of Joshua can be found in Deuteronomy 
chapter 34. And it's amazing, you know, it, we are so blessed, friends, to have an account of what happened and how our Lord dealt with our, with, with our brothers and sisters of the past. And the reason why this is so important is because when we look back and we look to what's going on today, he is the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. And whatever things were vile to him then are vile to him today. Whatever things he found to be good then are good to him today. And I want to ask you, friend, do you have Jesus in your life? Would you like to have eternal life? Would you like to have the forgiveness of all of your sins? I'm going to ask you, friend, would you please just picture in your mind you extending your hand out to greet someone and the person walks by and doesn't acknowledge you. And then I would like for you to consider how many times has the Lord extended his hand out to you and you've walked by and you've never taken his hand. But you know, friends, God is not angry. He's not mean. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. He wants to give you eternal life. And he would love to be a part of your life today. But you see, Christianity is a relationship. And a relationship requires two people to want to be with one another. And while he wants to, the decision if you want to be part of his life and with him is up to you. But I'm going to lead you in prayer if you would like to have a relationship with Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can follow along. Lord Jesus, I come before your throne. I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. And Father, this day I want to take your hand and I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior from this day on. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you, with the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary that you made for me. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you said that prayer, I do believe you're born again. I encourage you to please find the Bible that you can read. Go to the Bible bookstore and go through several of them and see which one speaks to you. You'll know. And I would encourage you to take copious notes of your weekly Bible studies, your Bible studies in Sunday school and the sermons that they give you on Sundays. Now, before you delve into all of that information, I would encourage you to find your Bible and ask the Lord to open your understanding, to cause you to be able to remember the information that you're going to be reading and learning so that if someone comes your way and they need to hear that information 
that you'll be able to remember where in the Bible that information is. Amen. And friends, I always close all of my podcasts in remembrance of the late Pastor John H. Osteen. And it's because he had the best phrase I've ever heard of a pastor. He would close out all of his TV sermons with the following phrase. And he would say, friends, remember to keep Jesus first place in your life. And he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast. May his blessings be upon you and yours always. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you.